in New York City. A trust fund baby meets a hardworking fashion designer. And it ends tragically. Nicholas, you piece of spoiled sh- You guys enjoy a little treat? It's still holidays. A little bit. It's, 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 it's New it's Year's, Year's Eve. Well, I'm just asking them if they enjoyed our little <laughs> treat. This is follow up, and this is what did you do? I'm D. I'm Charnel, <laughs> and I really do hope you guys loved my vocal stylings. Um, my throat was sore. I think I need a new co-host. Uh, I mean, so what would you do without me? Slowly going into the deep end, like slowly. I dove right there. <laughs> that. All that singing implies that I'm already there. I was just waiting for you. Like, you've thrown me a life preserver, and I'm like, nah, I'm no. dead, man. I love the waters of the Atlantic. It's actually awesome. It was cool over here. I was listening to that at home. Like, my mom's just like, wow, he's lost his mind. And my mother was loving it. <laughs> I stand for your mom, though, because your mother understands talent when she hears it, and I can appreciate that. Wow. And thank you for everybody who has such kind words to say about it. Like, they're like, this was so fun. I was like, was it? <laughs> Someone is secretly like taking down your information to like give to other people, like right. mental health checks. It's fine. <laughs> I think it was um who I don't know her name is Andrea. Yes, I'm right. Mm-hmm. Her name is Andrea, and I think she's she said I didn't realize I needed Dean Sessions singing yes. how the album, yes. and I was like That's I'm gonna do a, a whole album. She was like don't tease me, and I was like I only say what I mean. <laughs> I, I mean I hope it happens because we need just so everyone knows there were actually seven songs and I cut. <laughs> I lost my mind. I, at one point, there was a duet with me just singing like early in the morning. <laughs> just threw myself on a track just because it was funny. You know, the worst part is that I wasn't there to see it all unfold. Like, I wasn't going to participate. It wasn't I, a pretty thing to watch. That's like, exactly why I wish you I was there. You saw me cussing myself out, frustrated, like, this doesn't work. <laughs> it's like, I don't know how Beyonce does it. How Unravel. Beyonce records 150 songs and chooses 12. I just unraveling minds that's what that is your mind was slowly unraveling well in every situation guess what i'm here um and we have some housekeeping to take care housekeeping. of but yeah thank you guys for listening it was so much fun <laughs> <laughs> um housekeeping new patrons we've got new patrons i want to shout out to abigail altabeth i hope i said your name right if not i apologize and tina nicole i know i said your name right thanks for being great Thanks for being beautiful. Thanks for being awesome people. Thank, Thank you for supporting you us. Thank you and welcome to, to the crew. Patreon. Yeah, shake it down. Also, patrons, D and I recognize that we have been terrible people so sorry. as far as adding, throwing some welfare checks up there. And so it's sorry. because uh, me losing my mind with school and work and D losing her mind in general and projecting <laughs> it onto me. Uh, we were just super, super busy, and outside of our actual episodes, we just didn't have time to record things, but yeah. we are going to do something really special. We're going to give you guys a full episode on the Patreon, and that's coming sooner than soon. I'm talking like next week soon. I'm speaking so that I'm, into existence. I'm guessing where I'm going to have to clear my schedule. Yep. Oh, next okay. week, I'm we got to do it up. So that's something that I want you guys to look out for. If you're interested in how to help, how to help, <laughs> help make that happen, <laughs> tweet D, but... <laughs> And the other side is if you're interested in supporting What Did You Do in that way, you can go to the Patreon. There's some cool rewards there, stickers and stuff like that. I'd like to see you guys take pictures of your stickers on things. Um, my face started contorting, and I was like, oh, no. 
Luca's coming out. Take pictures <laughs> of my sticker. See, this is why I said you went into the deep end. You're gone. I'm gone. They're both uh, now parts of you and you're parts <laughs> of your personality. Very true. They, they kind of are, though. Uh, okay. <laughs> as far as I stand behind this microphone, like they are probably going to come out at some point. But other than that, you can check out uh, the What Did You Crew uh, Facebook group. It's awesome. I think we're up to like 70-something people now. Yes, we're growing, and it's fun. I'll drop little check-ins with the crew. You guys are free to discuss among yourself. I'll start stuff. Charnel will start stuff. Yes, I start trouble. <laughs> Just say reckless things and bounce. <laughs> See you in 12 hours, crew. No. But check that out. Check out our website. Um, it's all cool. It's all there. And yeah, that's it. That's all the housekeeping I had. Did you have anything to add before we jump into this case? No, I'm ready for this. Yeah, this, this case, case is going I to be... I was triggered. I was triggered. Hashtag. This case... <laughs> This this case is something. It's one of those cases that I feel like is so us, and I'm so excited to jump into it. Right, because so we have a lot to say on this. Oh, too, sometimes too much to say about right. things. But and this ready? might be one of these episodes. It is probably going to be one of these. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're ready, I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. So this week's case, guy, uh, guys. This week's case, y'all, being inclusive, mm. uh, takes us to December 9th, 2010. We hopped in a time machine, and we're at the Soho House in New York City. If you do not know what the Soho House is. It is not for people like you and I. I, I have Unle- a membership. I don't know what you're talking about. Because you owned a house. Because- <laughs> don't don't diminish my wealth. <laughs> All right. I have no more wealth. I bought a <laughs> I bought a switch and I'm broke. I- <laughs> no. But There's no, I, no wealth. <laughs> but it is a swanky uh, upscale hotel and club bar social gathering place for people who have a lot of money you have to be a member to really use all of the uh definitely the a member amenities what you say i'm definitely a member in my head i there's homegirl like i was watching the 48 hours uh thing on this and they're the sex in the city did an episode of how they're on the waiting list right. i looked online did you know that right now currently globally there are thirty thousand people on their waiting list for this for this all because they're all over there's eight of them well it's great in, that in america and there's one in london and there's like three in like china i don't know but it's well, crazy. It's great that I'm a member. It's my home away from home. I'm glad it is, but because it goes for six hundred dollars a night, starting if you're not a member. It's like so. almost my check. Like, like <laughs> let's be real. That's my whole paycheck. <laughs> right. And it's a it's a little before three a.m. when the hotel gets a phone call from a guest that their ceiling is leaking, and they knock on the room the door of room twenty. Sound, Sound effects, effects. Me, right? Uh-huh. Where the leak is coming from, and they get no answer. So after a couple more knocks. And no one comes to the door. They let themselves in, and they make their way to the bathroom where tubs are located. And <laughs> typically, typically. <laughs> <laughs> because we've seen hotel rooms with like tubs outside of bathrooms. That's sexy. Weird. Like it's in the bedroom, and your man's just watching you bathe. Okay, this is not like Roman times. Like, anybody watching? Shower time is private time for me. Shut up. It was like, and no one's. I do not share. Well, showers. I have assistants help me in the tub and draw my bath. That your man? That's gross. <laughs> anyway, you can't wash your own back. D. We have other things to talk about. But in this bathtub, they find a young woman unresponsive, uh, submerged in the overflowing tub. This woman was Sylvie Cachet. She was a 33 year old successful swimsuit fashion designer. And they could see some light bruising around her neck, some marks. Um, and the hotel staffer takes her from under under his, her arms and pulls her from the tub. And they attempt uh, CPR. Uh, they call for emergency services. They arrive, and she is pronounced dead at 3.33 a.m. 
Right. So this is a high class lady in a high class world, I would say. And you're probably wondering how does somebody like this meet such an unfortunate and untimely death so soon? So let's just go back and talk about Sylvie's life a little bit. Um, She's the daughter of Peruvian immigrants. Um, They came here when she was young and um, she ended up living in suburban Virginia, um, an upper class neighborhood. Her dad was a surgeon. Yes. She showed early signs of loving fashion. Um, Although they had money, her dad always talked, you know, about working hard and hard work and instilled those values in both of their kids. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Got to work twice as hard. It's something that's like (laughs) definitely an immigrant story. Like that's even if you're successful in this country, they teach you that it could be taken away at any moment and you need to make your own way through this world. Having money is not everything. Not having it is. What's the other one? Whether you broke or rich, you gotta get biz. That's what it is. That's the Kanye West the line. Kanye? He's probably mad. Yeah. yeah. Whether you broke or rich, you gotta get biz. Having money's not everything. Not having it is. I think his mama needed to teach him a few more lessons before Donna she died. passed. Yeah, oh, I was I like, what are you talking about? Before she passed, because he needed some more lessons. Well, we can go Sister Soldier, uh, who said no one taught her that America was business, and without business, you have nothing. This is this and is, that is fact. That's deep. <laughs> I, I felt that in my soul. Well, <laughs> taking these lessons, these are still something <laughs> Sylvie learned, and she was destined to make her own way despite her parents' money. So she took her love of fashion. Hashtag. <laughs> she went to college and she uh, be, um, moved to New York City and begun an internship with Mark Jacobs. The Mark Jacobs. Gays, let me hear you make some noise. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Sorry, I just, I, oh, never mind. I would love to work for Mark Jacobs. Obviously not in that capacity, but. Following Mark Jacobs, she also worked for Tommy Hilfiger. This, um, like in the athletic where it's not where she wanted to go, but then she moved on to Victoria's Secret and she ended up being head of her, the swimsuit line at Victoria's Secrets. Yes. And she was doing bathing suits for them. They were looking for her. She was on magazines. This was a start, but this wasn't enough for Sylvie. And by 2006, she launched her own swimsuit line. She was, which is called Silla. Silva. Silla. I always when I was listening. Sorry. You know when I was listening, I could not understand the name of like her fashion line. But anyways, Sila. It was that's what it is. <laughs> her fashion line was called Sila. I couldn't get it. I was like Sili, Sili, Sili. I could purple. not get it. Um, she started her own fashion line. She was featured on magazines like Elle, Vogue. She had Joe. swimsuits oh. and Barney. She was doing well. Um, along with that were people who were investing in her own business. So she was doing well until the same thing that took a lot of people down, right? The market crashed. And when the market crashed in 2008, her backers left, her investors left, they were pulling out their, you know, funds because they were worried about money, money, finances. And that ended up with her having to close her store. Close her brand, close the line. But it was only temporary. Because Sylvie's a bad bitch and only (laughs) just know what I'm talking about. First of all, I I was so inspired reading through this. I was like, yes. She was like, she really was. She was like, oh, well, this is a this is a fail. Her friends talked about it, her Mm -hmm. like feeling like it was a true loss. Like if she was grieving it. Because that's something you if you built something and it was doing so well to to then have to stop and end that all. Like I would sob and eat a lot of mac and cheese and cry into wine bottles Mm -hmm. for days. 
Well, she didn't let that necessarily <laughs> stop her. Um, she did end up finding a job again and working in the fashion industry. But her always gold was to start up the line again because she was just doing so well. So with that, I mean, she she has a fantastic background, a hard worker. So how does she end up in the Soho? You know, how's that night in the bathtub? In the bathtub. Well, she she met somebody. That she did. Guys will ruin your life. Men will. Men are trash. <laughs> <laughs> and men who are listening to this are like, don't say things like that. And I'm like, we all sit down and think real hard about the worst things we've done to our significant others, potential dates, mates. And you'd be like, you know what? And don't get me wrong. Women are, can be trash as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, but I'm just like, when I think about because I personally, because I'm self-aware, mm-hmm. I'm thinking about trash things I've done today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm just going to ignore that text message. I'll respond in six hours because... <laughs> Who needs to? But you're right. In 2010, June, nice, at a friend's party, Sylvie was introduced to 24-year-old Nicholas Brooks, trust fund baby with an affinity for marijuana and partying all night. Right. And He was the perfect <laughs> character could have come ruin a life. Oh, 100%. Like, I mean, as much as I wanted to meet a trust fund baby, I know that's not the lifestyle I'd want. Mm-hmm. Who wants to sit around all day and do nothing? Kind of me. I like, mean, <laughs> it's worse when they want to sit around all day and do nothing and they don't have the trust fund. Okay, talk about it. Ex husband. What? (laughs) Get to work. Get to work. (laughs) It's like, I'm sorry, there's a frog in my throat. (laughs) Job applications. (laughs) I hate you. But Nick has a wild backstory of his own. Yeah. And if you do not know who Nicholas Brooks is, if you've never heard this case, Nicholas Brooks, uh, his father was the late Joseph Brooks, who had composed tons and tons of singles back in the day, including that. Um, the best part of waking up, like the yeah. Maxwell House. Yeah. Um, best part of waking up. <laughs> Good to the last drop. I'm sorry. Good to the last drop. That was <laughs> Good to the last drop. Ray Charles sang that. Um, and then he gained all this fame and all this fortune yeah. from his hit, You Light Up My Life. You light up my life. You give me. Oh, that's all I know. Okay, pause. Can we talk about one thing that what? I learned this week? What? Um, what You Won't Do for Love, that Bobby Caldwell song. Did anybody else not know that Bobby Caldwell was white? Because I didn't. <laughs> Until I think yesterday. you mentioned this on a previous episode. No, not this specifically. There are other people I didn't know were white, but oh. I did not know that Bobby Caldwell was white, and I was like, "Holy ish!" I've been clinging to this song on an episode of something, and I can't remember what. I'm so angry because I've been clinging to this song at least forty thousand times. Oh, you know what? It was Liz. We talked about that in my old show, that, my old podcast. That's what <laughs> that yeah, yeah that's like, where it I is. I don't know why this song made me think of that because I thought of like, <laughs> same oh, era, right? Like the seventies. Um, and this tune, You Light Up My Life, even earned him an Oscar. Mm-hmm. So money, fame, accolades. And that's when he met his wife, Sue, and he would have two children, Amanda and, you guessed it, mm-hmm. Nicholas. Nicholas. But this is not just, it's not all glitz and glamour just yet. The couple would end up splitting up, uh, and Sue would take herself and the kids to uh, out of the city into London. Um, and, you know, they'd do the whole thing, you know, back and forth type deal until one time... Uh, Joseph refused to send the children back. And this started a huge custody battle. Fights. Sue was sending investigators to the city. And Joseph would move the kids from hotel to hotel, sometimes out of the city, um, just to kind of disrupt their searches and things like that. And even disrupting the kids' social lives, their schooling. Like, we don't... I I was reading through this, and I was thinking about the effect that constant moving, like, hyper-residential mobility, like, keeping kids moving and not being able to, like, 
put down roots and things like that mm-hmm. and the effect it has on them because kids have to be able to navigate Absolutely. new environments safely. It's hard to establish an identity when you're moving around and almost having to reinvent yourself, especially right. as a kid going through that transitional phase of high school and all that like stuff. Like even if it's not even like, you know, mostly like moving to a new residence and you're mm-hmm. like a new city, new town, but even as far as just environment, yeah, like hotel to hotel, mm-hmm. suites to penthouses, like things like that, if you have no stability, that informs a lot of the things you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and at one point, uh, Amanda, who strong-willed as she can be, she's she hopped on a plane and visited her mom in London and stayed there. Mm-hmm. She was in, Well, she was like kind of a teen and he was younger. So. Yeah, he was younger than she is. Right. She was like, I'm, I'm, I'm out. And Man. from here on out, Joseph was like, you're not my daughter anymore. He like disowned yeah. her. He no longer acknowledged her. And then in that, he started brainwashing Joseph. Right. And when we, when we say brainwashing. You mean um, What'd you say? You said Joseph. You mean Nick. <laughs> Sorry, brainwashing Nick. My bad. <laughs> okay. There's a lot of names I'm repeating right here. Yeah. And in this, it's just telling him that his sister's terrible, his mother's terrible, all the things that she would do, and she's always wanted to keep you away from me. And in that, in order to incentivize it, um, he's just showering Nick with these gifts and all of his attention, but at the same time, threatening to take all of that away. Right. So he ends up getting. Everything and anything he wants, including his own apartment when he was uh, in boarding school. But also being told, just in case you decide you want to love your mother again. I'll take this all. And we we see this. I I encounter this a lot with like queer youth. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like called financial like abuse and financial neglect, all these things, emotional abuse. And where it's like you're afraid to do things because your parents are already on edge about what you've told them. Mm -hmm. And all it takes is for them to find out you're dating somebody. And all of a sudden, well, I'm not paying for college anymore. And now you have no pathway to success or I'm taking your car away. So now you can't get to school or get to your job, like Mm -hmm. things like that. So it's just like this is the only life that Nick knows and the fact that he's trying to snatch that away from him um, is something different. And then talk about separating siblings. Like, siblings are so important. Mm-hmm. And as a former foster kid, like, when you separate, like, they're, they're really, siblings are really that kind of focus point for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And they provide all the support and nurturing that parents would typically provide. So if you have that tumultuous family dynamic... You need your siblings because right. you've already, they're your first peer group you're going to meet. They're like, they're the first, they're probably the longest relationships you'll ever have in your right. life, too. And for that to be um, broken up is an issue. Um, I mean, I, when I was going through our split up, like me and my sister weren't living in the same place, but we were in constant communication, oh. you know? And so that's something that was really awesome. Um, but not only this, Joseph would also introduce his younger son uh, to sex workers at around this age. Mm. Um, and we'll see how this informs his life a little bit later on. But we also know that exposure to sex, and I don't know how to, like, I don't know. We'll talk about a this a little bit later. unhealthy exposure to sex. Right. And there's also the, the statutory rape side of things. Oh, yeah. Where it, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll get into it. But, like, early exposure, early sexualization, especially when you don't know, when you're exploring it yourself. Uh, could be an issue because it makes you at risk to engage in higher risk sex. You know, that's right. chemical sex, um, that's multiple partners, all that stuff. Right. Like, so his father would purchase sex workers for Nicholas, right? And then Nicholas would purchase sex workers for his father. Yeah, it's like, just not. It healthy. was like a trade off. Like it's, this was a present. 
Yeah, so it's, it's. I mean, it's 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 disgusting in it, my like if, for my personal opinion. Like that's gross. Like I don't want to. I'm not shaming sex workers, but no, I'm shaming no. sex workers having sex with underage. No, I'm kids. shaming the, <laughs> the actions of the father as a nurturer, right. supposed to supposed to protect protect your young son, but instead you're exposing him to stuff way too early in his development, right. and that's gonna. Uh, you know, alter how he views relationships later on, and you can right. see that and sexuality, right? Um, but this, all this tumultuous, uh, all these, all this chaos, all this, you know, kind of harmful behavior and harmful, um, traumatic bonding and things like that are the things that are going to curate the Nick that Sylvie meets mm-hmm. in June of that year. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of cute how they meet, they meet at a friend's house, and their first date is them walking Sylvie's dogs. Um, and I mean, I was kind of endeared to this as well, but, um, they were walking and the date took a turn for the worse because a large group starts coming by and it startles her dog, Pepper, who runs into the street. Right. And then Pepper, I know you Passes have a pup, pup. Yes. <laughs> like I see you over there like squirming. Yeah. Because I mean, <laughs> I don't know if I could date the guy after because he will always remind me of that day. Well, so for I, me, I would totally be triggered. But Nicholas was such a support. Yeah, he, he scooped, scooped up, up the pepper pup. and took him to the vet, where they ended up, you know, having to put the dog down eventually. And he stayed so, there with her all night. Yeah, and soothed her and comfort her. But I mean, these were two people from two completely different backgrounds, and right. they ended up together under these circumstances and being so supportive during such a difficult time for Sylvie, she took to Nicholas and that really just began in their relationship. Yeah. And, you know, and it's in a relationship ish. It was, <laughs> um, a relationship as Dane Cook would call it <laughs> yes, back in the day. Yes. Uh, but all these heroics and all the sweetness would wear away and Sylvie would begin to see the true Nick and what this was. And so Sylvie would start complaining to her friends about Nick. He would just get high all day and lay around her apartment, her place, right. even though he had his own place. Right. He'd get high all day. She would she would pay for him to go places again, even though he had his own money, and right. use her pull to get him into trendy clubs, even though he had access. And we well, could talk about. Well, it's very uh, confusing if he had his own money at this time, though, because around he's got the time a little bit. Want, of yeah, at the time around they met, they said his father pulled the trust fund because he had to pay for something that he needed. Oh, that's true. So that was kind of when he, Sylvie kind of started taking care of Nicholas. Right, right, right. And so we find her complaining about a little more things. Uh, We have her complaining about his incredibly high sex drive and how that was exhausting for her. Um, And then how he wanted to have, in air quotes, porn sex. This made me cringe. Right. And do things that Sylvie wasn't particularly comfortable with. And this is where I wanted to talk about. I didn't want to talk about before I mentioned this right. is that early sexualization is that pornography and sex workers at a time when someone's trying to navigate sexuality and what that means, what consent means and what consent looks like mm-hmm. is really important. I think so this, can we do this, have this kind of sex is like that manifestation, manifestation of those sown seeds. Mm-hmm. So the, the the thing with sex workers specifically is that most people see sex workers as already like morally corrupt or broken, and so they don't think they deserve human decency or humanity. Right. The other side of it is that they're viewed as property right off the bat. Right. You know, and so they're used like that. And so I feel like introducing that concept at a time when he's doing that is dangerous and irresponsible. And so now you have this grown-ass man, you know, with his girlfriend asking her to do things that she doesn't want to do because at some point he was able to find someone who he could pay enough to do those things. Mm -hmm. And so, like, this is not... 
it's just not health sexu- healthy sexuality. At some point, you need to learn like what people want, what your partner want, what your partner likes. Understand that you have, will have to compromise when it comes to certain things like that. And if that person won't do that, you need to leave that person. Like, Let's put even further connections to it. So his way of getting love from his father was, you know, the purchasing of sex workers at an early age. Um, so he viewed that as Jeez, normal, yeah. right, and affection. So now he's with somebody who is his girlfriend. And he wants to do the same things he used to do with, you know... I want to say, and I don't want to be like problematic, but what he got as a present, you know, because that's what, that's what his father was essentially doing, objectifying his women. And this is admiration and transferring that into his relationship now and try to objectify her and consider that love. Give me porn sex. Um, Let me objectify you the way, you know, I got to objectify the sex workers that my dad got me out of love. So all of that connection, like that's how you form such a a unhealthy connection. And that's how that transfers onto somebody else and onto relationships. No, you're right. I agree. Uh, The other thing that Sylvie would bring up to her friends was Nick's temper. Mm. Because who didn't see this coming? <laughs> it's like we... Spoiled. <laughs> like seeing spoiled, brat, rich. All right. Um, but also, probably, I w- I'm going to take a guess and say that homeboy has never seen a therapist in his life. <laughs> and who needed it the most? <laughs> so I'm sure that he's dealt with all this stuff and has never sought to figure it all out, put it all into place, file it away, and work on it. Right. Uh, so... With his temper, um, her attempts to motivate Nick to do something with himself. So we, there's, there are reports and actual uh, police had found actual to do lists. This was literally my like relationship with my ex husband. By the way, we're gonna get into. I was, the hella, I was hella triggered when I not into this, not into your list. relationship, but we're gonna get into like. <laughs> it's all gonna say like lists on how to be an adult, like right, and which is terrible. So she would tell him to. Get up, clean the bathroom, Skin shower. Issue shit. There's things that you would that you would like a person with life skills could do. And uh, one was like use bug spray once in a while. And I was like, was that like raid or was that like mosquito spray? Because <laughs> I could see him staying in a place where like or maybe he take care of his enough. crabs that he got. I don't know what he's got. I mean, she's still she was still sleeping. I hope she he, didn't have crabs. You know, he was still sleeping around with other people. No, I know that, right. but I'm just saying. Like, I hope he wasn't like she wasn't sleeping with him actively, knowing it. Ugh. Pubic lice uh, are so ugly to look at. Have you ever seen that. videos of pubic lice? No, but we're talking about that. We'll talk about that later because people will definitely do that despite knowing that their partner. Uh, or know. people who sleep with you knowing full well that they're not faithful and having unprotected sex. Right. But we also talk about how, again, early sexualization puts you at a higher risk of having high-risk sex. So, right. And you don't see the issue with it. Right. Um, so, yeah. So, these arguments. So, these motivations, these to-do lists, things like that, her spurring it would often escalate into arguments. Mm-hmm. And then it would escalate further with Nick to the point of him threatening her life repeatedly. Mm-hmm. So... This is where I talk about things and stuff that triggered me during this case and uh, tumultuous relationships. We'll get right into it. And it really triggered me when I saw the um, district attorney talking about, you know, domestic abuse and domestic violence situations. Um, When we see domestic violence and domestic abuse, we always picture the woman with bruises Mm -hmm. and physical, you know, injuries and stuff like that. And. And that's what we see, but we don't normalize the other half of it, which is the verbal, the emotional, 
Mm-hmm. And Sylvie, while maybe not going through so much of the physical, but we don't really know. We, yeah, we don't know. I mean, I, I wouldn't going to venture and guess that he was not um, the gentlest man. I just can't no, believe I, that. No, I can't. No. Um, definitely showed sign of somebody who was going through emotional and verbal trauma. And people, you know, see these relationships all the time. We watch reality shows where, like, they're arguing in the middle of the street. And we normalize this. Even myself, in my first relationship, I was I was loving hip-hop. I was the girl in the Bronx screaming at my boyfriend my in, the, <laughs> in the middle of the street. And we normalize that as saying they're just in love. It's normal. Um, they're getting back together again. And learning from my own experience and, you know, seeing other people's experiences in growing up and, you know, educating myself with all this stuff, it's not normal. And we need to start putting those domestic and emotional abuse situations on the same shelf as the physical abuse, which we don't. Sylvie went back and forth with herself trying to decide whether she should stay or should go. That's one of the first signs of that type of abuse in a relationship. I know many people who constantly go through the battle of, I don't know why I'm with him. He's going to change. I could fix him. Especially Sylvie's beautiful personality was somebody who wanted to fix people. Mm -hmm. And that's why she stayed with Nick so long. So women with that nurturing sensibility think, I'm going to teach him how to be better. And the abusive guy will take advantage of that. And emotionally use that to keep the woman with her well past where she should have stayed. I'm so, gonna. I just want to interject. Go ahead. Also, not <laughs> not to cap off, but just so everyone who's listening, no, um, this goes for same sex relationships as well. Like this is something. <laughs> this where is a relationship. Could, yeah, it's a relationship. A relationship I think same sex relationships are worse because there's the stigma. Like there's that stigma of. Uh, Oh, well, you're in a same-sex relationship. That's where you're going through it. Right. Oh, you know, especially from people who are anti-homosexuality. Right. They'll be like, they're definitely not trying to help you out if you're going through an abusive situation at all. Um, yeah, it was, I mean, the, I mean, I remember when the Violence Against Women Act, I like, they had to update it to include, right, like, right. so services can be provided so, to same-sex Right, couples. so think about how, like, People thought of this, you know, and didn't include off the bat. Right. You know, like it's like, like it doesn't happen. It somehow. doesn't happen. Or like it's your fault because you decided, oh, two guys is going to be aggressive. Whatever. Ooh. I know. No, but I <laughs> problematic Chardell. <laughs> what? Is I know. I remember thinking that like as like when I first like came out and started like dating, one of the things I thought about was what if I meet someone who is aggressive or abusive mm-hmm. and in my head I'm like, well, fuck that. We just going to be fighting. Like, but that's right. not okay. Right. Like, so, and I was like, why am I okay with that? Why right. am I okay with the, the, and like, so what? what you did is what many couples <laughs> right. do with the verbal stuff. They see everyone verbally arguing, break up, make up, break up. We're fine. We're just having a hard time. And then you start keeping things secret because your friends are telling you, girl, you got to leave. So you're not telling people anymore. Mm-hmm. You feel ashamed and all this stuff. But, you know, I've always been the proud friend who says, like, fuck your man. I don't like him. Like, to my friends, if yep. like I'm, <laughs> I'm that friend. Like, people's mans know I don't like them, and you're going to know about it. I'll tell you to your face. Right. Can't and I don't, I don't give a fuck. And and if you're not treating my friend well, it is what it okay, is. This is she, it's getting super personal. Come back. <laughs> Come back. <laughs> the passion. But, you know, my priority is my friends. And having the conversation with your friends, all of them, if you hear more than one pe- person telling you it's not normal, then you're more likely to do something. And what I want to say is, you know, maybe Sylvie, you know, she was talking to her friends. I don't know what their response was, but 
normal like again telling people it's not okay to be in this tumultuous relationship you see on love and hip-hop and the fighting is not cute and maybe if enough people told her you can't fix him this is who he is and you deserve more than this back and forth she would have noticed i think so i think uh from what we can tell from like interviews and things yeah her friends did not like him her friends did not like him and they made it very clear to her that he (laughs) was not nice to her and wasn't treating her well but again again the the Problem is in society we normalize these like tumultuous relationships. So even with your friends telling you whatever, well she's going through it and he's going through it and they went through it, and not enough people just leave. Yeah, and I want to like touch on what you said too because that happens a lot in abusive relationships is where you complain to your friends enough, and we've all been that friend, especially if you're the blunt, honest friend, quote unquote, like us. Us. (laughs) And you say things. What happens? Is just that, like, you end up saying things like, well, I don't want to hear about it anymore, or something like that. It's like, I don't, if it's going to be complaining about him, I don't know, I already told you how I feel. And just like you said, people stop, t- stop saying as much. Right. And we say it on the show, it's secrets that right. will make, make you, you sick. sick. And if you start holding things in, and things are getting worse, and you're afraid to tell someone because, you, you know, they, you don't think they're willing to listen. So I think one of the things I've learned um, from my own friends, like I'm sure you have, is that mm-hmm. one of the things where it's like, look... I really want to help you. So if we're gonna if we're gonna talk about this conversation, we're in this conversation. We need to be talking about ways to get you out. Right. We need to be talking about ways for Absolutely. you to be in therapy or for you both to be in therapy or to see someone. Uh, what's like something that someone some kind of intercessory service? Right. Because I'm I don't want to keep talking about this and not coming up with some kind of solution. Right. Like if you're just talking to that, I get that. I'm not your therapist. I'm your friend. I'm a doer. So we need to make things. So this is where no, Sylvie th- was. Yeah, th- we both are learning this probably at the same time and learn this at the same time because that's where I'm at too with this kind of relationship and how to help it out, especially because I work with like women too. So uh, at my job, so it's not about talking about how bad it is, but making plans. But back to Sylvie, unfortunately, she didn't get those plans done, and it led up to an argument that led to her demise. Yeah, so it's one of these unfortunate things. I, I don't know. I, now I'm sitting here thinking, mm-hmm. like, I'm like, man, people have been through so much. I'm, I'm triggered. Right. I was like, <laughs> my friends have been through so much. My um, friends, me, I will never forget that first relationship. Oof. And so even then, like the in the same within the same week of this fateful trip to the Soho house, mm-hmm. um, heated arguments, um, exposed secrets, Sylvia planned on breaking it off, but they reconciled again, stayed mm-hmm. together, like that same like domestic that cycle. Yeah. That, he, he would beg her, he would like, Don't leave me, I need you. I, that type that's of, the bullshit I that, <laughs> that, 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 sorry. Is that what am I gonna do without you? Or mm-hmm. threatening to harm themselves, like mm-hmm. all abusive and manipulative behaviors right. and it is not up to you to save anybody. Nope. It is not. Nope. I don't care how I don't care how often you slept with them, how long you've been with them. If someone is to the point where they're gonna hurt your hurt themselves or say they're gonna hurt other people, it's no longer you thing. It mm-hmm. is a professional thing and you need to call the police. Right. Like get them so they can protect themselves from themselves or from other people. Um but we see this, uh, we see that Sylvia is actually starting to stand up to Nick right. at this point. In December 8th, she sends an email, and I've got it here. Mm-hmm. Um, she sends it, and it says, Nick, for the past six months, I've supported you financially and emotionally. The fact that you cheated on me makes me sick, and you will fucking pay. It's blocked out, but it's fucking pay. <laughs> I'm speaking with the credit card company and the police, and I'm going to tell them that I never allowed you to use my card. I don't care. Have fun in jail, Sylvie. And 
So now, and this is like, so she's now starting to kind of take some control here. Mm-hmm. And even later on, it was found out that while her brother was going through her financial statements and things like that, that people were, that money was being withdrawn from her account upwards to the total of $30,000. Like, so these secrets are being exposed. Like, all these things are starting to happen. Right. Things are ramping up. And now we fast forward to the night of December 9th, uh, where the Nibi and Nick, uh, Kind of, I'm sorry, 10th, where Nibia comes back uh, to the Soha house uh, that's now surrounded by cops right, and emergency vehicles. As we left, we found the body in the yeah. Soho house. So Nick comes back. So Nick comes back, and it could have been in some crappy attempt, like minimum effort, just <laughs> to seem like you have an alibi. Right. Um, but he was obviously a person of interest, so they take him down to the station. But while on the way, you know, he actually says to the police, like, how long would I get? For this, like implying in reference to the murder, like how long would I go down if I did murder someone? And so they took that as an admission of guilt, not so much an actual confession, but the fact that this man is aware. Right. Um, And so once they get to the station, they place him in interrogation room. They realize that he's way too drunk and high. We'll get to that. Uh, So they allow him to sleep in the room. (laughs) And sleep it off to the next morning until, uh, well, it's also five o'clock. So it's the next yeah, early morning hours yeah. yeah and so according and they give him a statement they shake him awake that he starts giving a statement and according to the statement um earlier that night he had gone to sylvia's apartment you know same way they do making up talking he lit some candles um they had been <laughs> intimate uh and once they were done he went to take a shower he came out of the shower to discover sylvia asleep um in her bed on fire because he had placed said candles on the headboard <laughs> Um, thirty thousand. This is three three thousand dollar bed. Apparently, <laughs> must be nice. Like I, this like I was over here fretting about a hundred dollar bed frame the other day. I was like, <laughs> I almost want to write down the cause of my mom's bed to you, so you. Can I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I just, I feel like it's seven. If your mom has a seven thousand dollar bed. I'm drop kicking her the next time I see her. Ten thousand. I hope that bed sings the slowest, most melodical, melodious Beyonce tunes. <laughs> I hope that it massages her back. It makes her feel good when she's not having a good day. I hope it talks her, you know, talks to her while she cooks her meals. I don't know. I hope it fills her car up and gets it started and warms it up in the winter time. Like that bed I, needs I to do everything. I clearly triggered you. I'm so angry. What we won't be doing is putting uh, candles on that headboard. No, we won't. <laughs> You should not have candles in your bed anyway. But this is Nick again. And Sylvia would later on tell hotel staff, like, we're only here because of that. <laughs> but, but he woke Sylvia, puts out the fire. And it was at this point they decided to make their way to Soho House uh, to stay for the night. Sylvia had taken sleeping pills um, to help her stay asleep because she manages something called fibromyalgia. Ooh, child. And if you don't know what fibromyalgia is, it is a pain disorder. Um, it's basically like a misfiring of nerves where you mm-hmm. feel pain in places for absolutely no, no reason. reason. Um, and a lot, like there's a lot of more studies being done because I I also deal with fibromyalgia and it is a bitch. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where a lot of it, a lot of studies have linked it to childhood trauma and things like that in your mm-hmm. brain because what people don't realize mm-hmm. is that trauma literally changes the way your brain functions <laughs> like functions. literally yeah. changes the way you function and so that also means how your brain receives and translates pain and things mm-hmm. like that so 
So it's one of those things that sometimes sleeping can be really difficult. And so a lot of people use sleep aids. I've avoided Ambien and things like that. But I'm going, because they never write out say what she was using, mm-hmm. I'm going to assume that it was Ambien. Yeah, and the amount of grogginess when right. you see the video camera of her stumbling around, it's probably an Ambien. It's probably Ambien. And because with Ambien, you need to take it 20 minutes before you sleep and you need to be in bed. You can't and that be bed up, was on fire. Right, you so can't be driving. through it. Well, that's the thing. Like, right. once you're down, you got to be down. You right. can't be, t- people take Ambien the trip because if you stay awake you hallucinate it's yeah. it's intense um so either way she was groggy so he had to help her most of the way into the cab all these things um and she needed help filling out the paperwork and so he stays behind so a staff member whose name is Kristen stevens helps her to the room and in witness statements and things she is adamant that she had helped <laughs> Sylvie into bed, and Sylvie like let her know that I am going to sleep. Right, like she, she makes out. it very clear that I am going to bed. Mm-hmm. And so when she leaves Sylvia, she is Sylvia. When she leaves Sylvie, she is where in, in bed in the bed. <laughs> and then Nick then states that after they check in and Sylvia is in bed, he tells her he's going to go out to the hotel restaurant. He's hungry, gets something to drink. He comes back and tells her he's going to go out to a party, going out to party. Right. And that was apparently supposed to be the last time he spoke to Sylvia before he came back to the chaos that was happening outside the hotel. But there's an issue. Right. Problem is that Sadiddy Rich Hotels have what? Cameras. Cameras with timestamps. Security. Security. You got to be better with your lies. And you got to know. I mean, he's probably too high to realize it. But this is the same thing with like Don Escrivo. Like, you got your camera. No, not one me. Oh, you sure? (laughs) So. There's a timeline here. So 1231 is when Nick and Sylvia arrive and they're checking into the hotel. Mm-hmm. 1245 cameras capture a busboy bringing ice to the room. Nick meets him in the hallway. They go into the room together. Busboy testified that they was in there for a short time. He didn't see anybody else. Anybody else. Okay, let's throw it out there. Uh, <laughs> oh, then, and there's only one way to get in the room, which is the story. Which is important here. So security cameras recorded Nick coming in and out of the room numerous times that night. And this is the important part right here. At 2.11 a.m., while cameras show that Nick is still in room 20, the room they had booked for the night, the room downstairs reported a water leak. Which means the tub was overflowing, overflowing. while Nick was in the room. But remember, he, he was wasn't gone. there. He was partying. What he happened? wasn't there. At 2.18 now, Nick leaves the room and goes down to the hotel bar where he meets David Rally. Who, before this, had been a stranger. They hit off a conversation at the bar. They decided to go off to this club bar that Sylvie and her friends and Nick would actually frequent called Employees Only. This is a meatpacking district in New York, guys. Mm. Really swanky. I mean, I've been there before, clearly. I mean, I wish I had money to go spend on things like that. Just so you know, you guys, I'm like the biggest liar and also a social worker, so. Oh, well, don't tell them that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't want people to think I'm rich. Like, let's be real. If you you were rich, we would be having different conversations (laughs) since the beginning of this show. (laughs) Episode one would have sounded a lot different. (laughs) So... He goes out to this bar. They go have drinks. And David Raleigh would then testify that, yeah, we went out. We had drinks. We did some lines of cocaine. Like, no big deal. Nick is wild. That's all I'm saying. Like, it's the lifestyles of the rich and famous, I guess. Mm -hmm. But it was only at 2.51 a.m. after the second complaint that the Soho house had gotten from occupants in the room below that the water leak was getting worse. And this is when they knock, 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 get no response, and open the door. I wonder why they didn't go up the first time being that it was a ritzy ditzy hotel. Like, I right. would think, like... I think that because it's June, 
in a ritzy ditzy hotel in New York City. Just a lot of things happening. The message might have gotten lost in the fray. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the excuse. That's the customer service excuse. I'm gonna. He's like, sorry about that. You know, yeah, so we passed it along to so and so, and they weren't. They weren't. You know, they were on their way. They got sidetracked. Uh, but then they enter. They enter the room, and that's when they find Sylvia's body. Full circle. Here we are right. on the top. But she wasn't naked, and this is why. This is also another point. Things that Sylvia was in a black turtleneck. She was wearing in her panties, and she still had on her very expensive. Rolex watch. Rolex. They're so, not waterproof, I don't think. No, so. they are not. <laughs> and so we find this is when everything comes together. We see that now that they have Nick, they also realize that Nick has bruising and red marks on his hands. Yep. And bruise and there's bruising around Sylvie's neck. And so we go, what could have been the reason? Was this an argument gone bad? Was this this is Nick actually following through? And then if this is Nick actually following through with this, why such a shitty attempt to cover things up? Like, Well, let's take a look at it from Nick's perspective of why he would have done this. Recently, Sylvie had found out that he was um, hiring sex workers still. He actually told her this. Old di- habits die hard. I guess maybe because she didn't want to do the porn sex with him. That's, so. Yep. So there was broken trust, and she was ready to leave him. I mean, and she made was very making, clear the day right, before. She was, right, she all was this went down. Um, the mistake she made was going allowing him in her apartment to begin with. Because if I'm about to break up someone, I just sent you an email. You don't need to come into my apartment afterwards. But that's at all. the thing too, and I think I feel like you'd be good for talking about that. Mm-hmm. Is like if you say you're going to break up with someone, and you know that your partner has a temper, and that mm-hmm. your partner has threatened your life before, and you've sent an email that's essentially threatening, saying, right. "I'm about to end your life. Essentially, to you're going right. to jail, bitch. Mm-hmm. Period. <laughs> like, <laughs> you are going to jail." <laughs> and so, like. I feel like one of the things you should do is never not be alone if someone says they're coming to your apartment or have someone meet you at your house. Right. Leave. I mean, I was going to end the show with that, but essentially, oh, no, sorry. yes. <laughs> you didn't tell me, girl. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was going to end the show with that because I don't want people to think that, you know, leaving means this is your doom, but I'll say it at the end. But one possibility was like, yeah, found out about sex workers. So, and for real, she was saying, also find out about money. Them credit cards. I mean, homegirl is trying to get her business started again. You go ahead and spend $30,000. But again, we talked about the trust fund being tied up. Mm -hmm. So I feel like we should also start talking about a little bit too. So one of the reasons why Nick's money was kind of funny is that that his daddy... um, Was a piece of shit? Yeah. So his dad... (laughs) And back in the day when you have a lot of money and a lot of influence it's easy to persuade people to sleep with you it really is and we we, i want to we should have talked about that we should have talked about coercion right in forms of sex because there's gonna we can talk about it in the trial a little bit Mm -hmm. um but so in the influence and things but as he got older uglier more trash i'm just gonna start dragging (laughs) dad i don't care (laughs) shit motherfucker smell like ass okay all those things (laughs) and as those things happen, he and he didn't have the money or the pull anymore to just get people to come over. Because and I mean, in two thousand something, who cared about you, letting Joseph Brooks? Life? Like, like really? Like, 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 I mean, people's grandparents did, but yeah, not us. Like you could get not grandma, young actresses. Like grandma would throw your panties at you. But. And so essentially, he became what is like a casting couch rapist. Right. He'd be putting ads out on Craigslist mm-hmm. uh, to get young girls, especially young girls who were uh, managing themselves, setting up their own their own um, read throughs and things like that. Trying to become actresses come to his apartment and he would rape them there 
And so now, after people come through, come and say this is what he's done, and the repeated uh, reports and claims against him, he's arrested. And so, like, there's a lot of legal things happening right, right. now. Right. So and dad needs the money. <laughs> right. At this point, at, at one point, they're both waiting, awaiting trial. At the same damn time. So. <laughs> so I'm sorry, but you're like motive credit cards, money's being stolen. So like he's he he needs he yeah. So he has motive to do this most definitely. Um, get rid of her, kind of because I'm like, what is the logic if your money's if you kill her, the money's gone? Well, I think it's more. I think it's more of our our, our the way of the secrets make you sick. Mm. Because what happens is like he revealed to her that he was hiring sex workers mm-hmm. after like while he was with her right. and that secret really was what started blowing things up and then the money thing is i feel like that's more of a shame issue and like i've manipulated you thus far and it has been a problem but now all of a sudden it's an issue so now that secret coming out too and you being exposed like all this unauthorized credit card use and money being spent what are you doing and it's like now he's out of control i feel like that's where she found him at this point and i don't know i don't know if they had any arguments really that night because no one ever talks about it. No. But I do know, like, there's... He implies... I'm going to just jump to the trial then because... Yeah, I'm going to go... Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so they have enough, the prosecutor now, to, yeah. you know, charge 100%. him. And he now has to face a trial. And what happens at the trial? Yeah, so there's a lot of defense... Att- the defense attorney's only defense really was that the marks, they couldn't really say he killed Sylvie. They're... That the only DNA they could find on the tub was Sylvie's, which could have happened by her. If she was drugged mm-hmm. in, on Ambien, he could just use her hand to turn the tub on. Right. Doesn't say that she he didn't do it. Uh, the marks on her arms, or I'm sorry, marks on her neck, mm-hmm. um, he implied that it was because they had rough sex. Now, there was no other evidence that they had rough sex, no. and she, there were other exams being done to her, you know, to her other nether regions and things right. like that. Um, and so the, the, the way that I feel this is too, one, Nick never told them that they had rough sex. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually if, especially in the case when they, when they know they see these marks, you would say, oh, that's just what we do, especially with his history right. to bad. But just, they had really nothing. But he didn't say anything. He was like, we just had, had sex. sex. And so the defense attorney said, turn it into a rough sex. And situation. then even the character, even all the witnesses, the friend on uh, the friend statements and things like that saying, yeah, no, she complained about this a lot and refused to do X, Y, and Z. Right. And so there's just, part of me also wants to talk about the vilification of rough sex and it constantly becomes a thing when you're talking about, um, when you're talking about things like murder, when it comes to murder and you're trying to like, it's just, it's weird to me. Like it always makes me, I want to defend really. it. It's like sleazy. Yeah, it's, it's just a like a sleazy thing to do. defense tactic, right. and you know it should be done away with because some people enjoy rough sex and it's consensual and it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is a way to make it put blame kind of on the victim, which is That's completely what, yeah. inappropriate. And like, oh well, it's not her; it's not his fault. They just do it like that, and she's not. And it's not fair. She's not alive to speak for herself. Right, and it's one of those things where uh, his sister uh, Andrea is actually talking about this, saying that Nick is being railroaded because of what his father is doing. And it's like, you're making my, my brother pay for the sins of his father, but your brother is sinning too, sis. Like you're both trash. You should see the connection of being raised around that and how that could affect him to become a criminal instead of trying to. to. (laughs) I think I've never been one to defend, uh, 
mm-hmm. sexual predators or anything like that. I just never, I can't, even my, like I've said on the show, if my, someone said my brother did something, I'm not going to be like, not my brother. Like, I just right, couldn't right. do it because you don't know. You don't know. Like, you, people only let you see what they want you to Ugh, see. And, oh, don't get us started. <laughs> but and we, and our loved ones, we, we want to know that, we want to feel like we know them. But I've seen people I know and love do things I didn't think they were capable of. Absolutely. And so it happens. You don't know, again, you don't know what secrets people are harboring. You don't know what kind of things people are holding close. And Absolutely. it happens all the time where you have these issues and you don't say anything. So I think, especially with like Nick, if you have all these issues surrounding sex and things like that, mm-hmm. and you always know when you're like, I don't want to call it sexual perversion because a lot of people, a lot of church folks will be like, yup, that gay shit. But <laughs> like when you have like pervasive thoughts mm-hmm. when it comes to sexuality and things like that, a lot of us are already, the taboo to talk about sex is already so big. Like you don't want to talk about it in general. Right. And now that you have to talk about something, well, I actually kind of like this. Mm-hmm. And you're afraid of that chain. You just hold that close to the chest and you're just going to go find uh, people who you're, who are willing to let you act those things out. Right. So it's just, it's a whole thing. Um, but Andrea is a problem because she says that her father um, is the only reason it's happening. Mm-hmm. And she, and at one point during the 48 hours thing I watched, she was like, I don't want to do any, place any judgment on, you know, Miss Cachet, blah, blah, blah. I'm well, like, girl, you just, you just did. Like, uh, yeah, I thought the same thing. It's like, I don't mean no harm. Inserts harm. <laughs> and, but Whenever anyone starts off with, well, I don't mean to. to I'm not trying to be racist or anything. But you're racist. I'm not trying to be homophobic or anything. Or I'm not a sexist. I'm not but... trying is the beginning of some bullshit. Right. Like, I don't want to be. I'm like, Dinch. think about what you... It's going to sound smarter in your head. Keep it there. Don't say it out loud. But either way, um, the jury takes this case. They finally get the case. And they're deliberating. They want to hear readbacks. They they start bouncing things off of each other. They want to know what, if they really did, what was this reported? What kind of rough sex did they have? Mm-hmm. All these things started coming back. But even then, on July 11, 2013, jury found Nicholas Brooks guilty, second-degree murder, and the death of his girlfriend. Uh, and he was given the maximum sentence, 25 years to life, because to life, he deserves. And Is he in Rikers? Like, you think he's in Rikers or some, like, ritzy-ditzy? I don't know, because he was kind of broke. Um, um, but they were saying, so this is the other side of this, is that his final appeal was denied right, uh, this year in March uh, 2018. I know you guys are listening to this on the cusp, possibly. Right. Um, I'm talking to you from the future. <laughs> <laughs> or past. Um, but the Cachet family is looking, they're suing him. There's, there's a civil suit uh, for wrongful death. And the what they're looking for is $12.5 million. Because mm-hmm. um, they believe that he's still receiving lo- royalties from his father's estate. Because that money is still flowing. Flowing, right. Um, in the same way that TLC somehow still has their homes. Like, all these things. Like <laughs> You don't have to be this petty. <laughs> I'm just Don't saying that T Boss T Boss had her 2002 Honda Odyssey repoed in like 2013. So I was like, what is happening? How does this money keep flowing for people? Drake Bell has no money from Jake and John. I'm like, who, like, how do you continue to stay rich? What happens? And it's like, invest. But they are, uh, but no, they're looking for that. Um, and if you wanted to know, Andrea, um, Andrea, Nick's sister has, is a Hollywood actress. Um, <laughs> if you want to see some real acting, know you're such a No, she's in some terrible shows, and I was looking them up, and I was like, who is this woman, and why does she think she's special? Apparently, she was on the, she's on the CW a lot. Let's see where she was recently. Nowhere. So, she was a, she was a waitress once, an attractive woman number two once. Oh. Great, great, great. Um, let's see, she was a hot senior once. 
um, and a high school flick. I play a attractive with woman hairspray. number one in my own life. Same. I pre- I, I stand for that. <laughs> um. Like so I just wanted to end the show on the note that I was trying to say before. Um, I, I just cued you in too early. You cued me in way too early. My bad. Me, <laughs> as my my friend Jorge used to say, me mal. <laughs> me mal. Mal's bad. Oh, okay. I was like, huh? <laughs> Anyways, um, I just want to say that you attempting to leave a bad domestic violence situation doesn't mean that your situation will end up like this. I suggest when trying to, um, minimum information to the guy, leave the guy, and then find a safe place to stay. Um, I've had to do it when during breakups. I know a couple people who've had to, like... Protect yourself. Make sure you're safe. Make sure this guy isn't going to attack because guys, unfortunately, don't know how to deal with fucking rejection nowadays. <laughs> Learn to be broken up with. Right. Um. So be safe, of course. Like you don't need to give him all the details of what you're planning to do if you're trying to make an escape. It's actually best that you don't say anything. Find somebody that you could stay with that could support you and let that be that. But it's best to get out of the situation and reclaim your life. Staying is not an end-all be-all. We've seen in made too many situations where you stay and you end up in the same faith as Sylvie did. So staying doesn't mean that you get to live. Yeah, I had a friend who very recently just uh, got out of a situation with her boyfriend, and I'm not going to say her name because you're going to be upset. No, but applaud her for getting out. Yeah, 100%. And um, not criminalizing anybody or vilifying anybody, but he was a vet. Um, and mm-hmm. she just, she had to get out. Um, and right away, one of the first things she did when she realized she wanted to get out was she went to her apartment and got everything that meant things to her, things that she would miss, things with pieces of mail with her name on it and things like this, things like that. If they mm-hmm. went away, like anything that she, so that way he wouldn't have anything to chase her down with or have a right. reason for her to come collect. Mm-hmm. Um, cause the other issue was that there was a gun in the home. Right. So like, you don't know. Mm-hmm. And so she did that. She went and found another apartment, all this without telling him what he, she was he doing does not need because to know. they do not need to know. And his family doesn't need to know. You don't owe his family any explanations. Right. They know exactly. Um, like most people, especially if you just have to bounce, you can gather in your head why the hell I'm bouncing. Don't don't worry about is like if I have to do it so secretively, it means that your nephew, your son, mm-hmm. your grandchild, your brother, your uncle is unsafe and I'm protecting myself. Let me tell you something. In this life, the best relationships are relationships where your partner understands that you and your safety come first. Once they understand that, they'll be interested in protecting you as well. If you don't come first in the relationship, then it's time to go. I'm saying that, period. Your well-being, your safety is primary in all of these situations. So once you decide that you come first and you need to make an exit because your spouse doesn't believe that you come first, then make that exit and don't tell anything and anything to anybody. You don't owe any family members, like you said, anything. Yeah, and call me if you need somebody to throw some hands. I've been waiting to fight someone. I've been on hair trigger I can't since November eighth, two thousand sixteen. I've been ready to fight. I so mean, I cannot say that. I'm joking too because I can't say that out loud. Either. My job. <laughs> <laughs> Because I will be sitting with the rest of my clients. If you need somebody to be with you, make sure you let your friends know. I know, like I said, there's a lot I of shit. I am shame. a friend that will take you under my wing. I won't fly nowhere. But no, but like, I will you say, know what I mean. Like, I'll, but just, just in general, away. just tell a friend. It's right. really, it's so, it's it's hard, especially when you have, again, you have friends like me and D who 
constantly tell you like he's trash break up with him <laughs> because you know they're gonna get tired of hearing about you complaining right. but your real friends mm-hmm. if they really care about you are going to listen regardless if it's the fifth time or the 109th time because mm-hmm. as long as you're looking towards solutions mm-hmm. and practical ones pragmatic ones that are actually going to be able to be like put into motion and performed I'm more than willing to listen to you and I'm more than willing to help. Like, if you right. need to hide in my place, I wish somebody would come to my house looking for somebody. Like, I want you to cross this same. street. Same. <laughs> cross the street coming Friend, to my house. Same. I got all the rooms <laughs> in my apartment. I could hide you. And if your man come, let me tell no, you. I'm, I'm saying, please, could, please come. Could please, please come to come my front door looking for you. Please come to my front door. Please come to my We got the same damn personality. I was like, I what? I was like, dude, please come around this corner looking for him. I promise you, you won't be happy that you did. Like, so it's one of those things. I don't mind you. You can yell and scream at Joe House all you want, but you won't do is come to my door because at that point, like, all bets are off. But either way, we are we are well behaved, functional adults. <laughs> but that is the. Uh, I don't know what to call this, but that's Soho slang. The house. I, I really hate, what was it? Soho, murder in Soho? It was a death at Soho. Death at Soho. I mean, they like, oh, because it's so ritzy, Soho. No, it's the murder of Sylvie. Let's put attention to the victim and not the place it took place because it was swanky. It's swanky. <laughs> Trendy. But that's it. It was a, it was a, that was. We had a lot to say as a. Clinician, social, not clinician. But I social. am not a clinician. Do I'm trying tell, to get there. I was like, do not tell anybody that. But social you're right. Workers, case workers, community workers, lovers of people in the field. It's just on the front lines. Huh? Man, we've been through so much. Right? <laughs> We're just sitting here like, man. Abuse is a wang-dang doodle, especially uh, verbal. Man. Verbal, emotional. Because a lot of people believe that words don't hurt. And they do. And even they words do. that aren't meant to be insulting hurt. Right. So the words that say things like, you're my best friend. Why would you do this? Like, painful. Mm-hmm. painful. Words hurt because Guilt. they... Words probably hurt a little... Like, can hurt more because they linger. Right, Like, right. they one of those things that... Bruises harm. Like, heal, they heal but... But they, them words will stick with you. I'm, I'm still real. I still go to therapy to deal with shit my mama told me when I was eight. And <laughs> so, as do I because of my father. So, it is one of those things. I'm like, oh, it's my fault that grandma's sick? Oh, God. It's <laughs> like, apparently my fault for the divorce. I mean, whatever. Whatever. Put things on that's emotional abuse. We'll talk about another episode. Mm-hmm. But that is that. Uh, do you have anything else that you want to say about the case before we wrap this bad boy no, up? No, I'm all set. Same. Where could people find you on the timelines if they were looking for you, friend? It's D D E E underscore I S A four on Twitter and Instagram. Why is there a four? Because they won't let me do it without. Oh, <laughs> I was like, Instagram putting... got people on there taking everything and not so using mad. the space. <laughs> Give me the Charnel tag, whoever you are. I've messaged this person; they just ignoring me. Um, and you could also see me, like, well, not see me, but hear from me on the "What Did You Do" crew. And then I will be on Instagram Live probably sometime next week. Next week, um, I'm gonna go live during my New Year's celebration. <laughs> have literally four parties back to back y'all won't be hearing from me at all till 2019 that's not not for me i'm just gonna be around look i got one party because i don't i i don't have time for four i've got one and i'll probably go live like at midnight like looking at you guys drunk off that loose off that goose like (laughs) either way but you guys want to find me on the timelines it's three places snapchat instagram twitter oh shout out to maria if you're still listening to this um 
I remember the first time she sent me her pictures of her cats. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know who this is. Oh yeah, that's right. And but I love I love when she sends me random snaps of like her cats waking somebody, up. Somebody like show me their dogs. I'm not really a cat person, but I get random. I get pictures of people's food, their cats, uh, their car right. rides to work. Some of them wow. listen to a lot of EDM. You probably need to get some variety in your life. <laughs> but find me there: Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter. It's Charnel B C H A R N E I L B. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at What Did You Do Pod. Facebook, Facebook.com slash What Did You Do. Uh, our website, what did you do podcast.com. We are now on Spotify. We're fancy, huh? We're Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, Google Play, XM. Spoke. Spoke. Uh, we're there, and it's the last places we're going to be. I'm tired <laughs> of putting us on. Like, if you don't have one no, of those. No, because I think Title is now going to have podcasts, so I mean. Okay, sure. Adventures. Maybe There's too many. I things need to, to be do. co-signed by Beyonce. Like, I need Beyonce to know about me. So we got to like go to her concerts. <laughs> but that's it, guys. Uh, I have nothing else. Uh, secrets that will make you sick. Go talk to someone. Tell your friends if you're struggling. Keep your hands clean. You want to say goodbye. And your man sucks. Bye. <laughs> Thank you.